The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. Hey, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5 as we take a look at the words of Jesus and see what he has to say for us in 2009. So Jesus is um, Jewish. He's... um, I guess since my mind always works like a movie, and as I've told Lilia, if if she doesn't act right, I write her out of the script and she won't be in my movie anymore. (laughs) But it's hard for me to read a story or to to understand a story, to read scriptures about seeing it as a movie, and it's always letterbox. And um, and so you you picture uh, all these folks who are following this, this rabbi. And so you have Italians, you have... The, the traditional Pharisees, you have a bit more you know, open-minded th- theological group known as the Sadducees, you have small business owners, you have male, you have female, you have families, you have single people, you have various degrees of devotion and practice of their faith. You have the, the radical ascetic monk, the Essenes, you have folks who are broken and damaged in so many various levels. Um, people who are outside of the community who would not be allowed in, people who were leopards, people who were crippled, people who were prostitutes, perhaps those who have different backgrounds and lifestyles. But for some reason, when, when Jesus spoke, and this is very early in his, in his work that he's doing here on earth, that somehow when he spoke, that, that the words made sense of their lives. He seemed to be the, 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 the negative to their positive. He seemed to match and untie the knots and illuminate their lives. And, and for once, for, they heard hope. I often try to put myself in the life of, of, of Peter where, you know, as the story goes, he, he, he's walking along the beach where he lived in, in northern Israel, a sea community, and, and Peter's there, you know, mending nets and smelling like fish and you know, he just walks up to the guy, hey, follow me, and he leaves his business. Has a wife, has kids, has a mother-in-law he's taken care of, you know? And I often wondered, what, how do you do that? Was it, you know, was he like a Jedi, follow me? I think I'll follow you, yes, let's go this way. I wanna go this way, you know? What, what, how did he do that, you know? And, and uh, because I'd like to learn how to do that to my wife, dinner, you know, make dinner. Yes, I think I'll make you dinner, yes. and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yes, I know, 30 years into it, and uh, no, yeah, I got nothing. No mojo, no game. Stands there, honey, stop doing this. <laughs> you are not a Jedi Knight. Take off the cape. So um, I think the metaphor I have for that is, uh, you remember when you were in junior high and high school, and, and there was somebody who, they were just okay person. They, they really didn't stand out to you. But then somehow you got past a note in homeroom that so-and-so likes you, and all of a sudden you were oddly attracted to that person who liked you, right? Because you, you were so desperate for love, you'd take it anywhere. You, know, you, you know, pimply face, buck tooth, whatever, you know, and it didn't matter. It was, it was okay. Someone loved me, so, you know, I'm going to go get love. And I think for the first time, there was a, a, a person that put off that vibe and that energy that I am so incredibly for you. I'm asking you to join me in this journey. And let's this journey together. And I'm going to share my life with you, and I want actually you to share your life with me. And that's the imitation of God to us. 
And I know that sometimes it's, it's difficult for me to hear it because I, I, I know me. And of all the destructive, damaging, damning, discounting voices that you hear, the worst one is your own. It's always the worst one. I mean, sometimes your parents have said such horrible, soul-searing things to your soul. Other times the people who care for you or should have cared for you, but they were broken themselves and, and just didn't manage their lives well, and so you were the collateral damage and fallout from that. And yet, what, what happens is that you hear so many dark and, and, and malevolent voices is that you begin to hear it and then you begin to actually speak the language yourself. And you, and you continue to speak the worst to yourself and define yourself by your worst moments. But with Christ, the difference was that somehow it seemed to cause their souls to thrive. And people began to step into and believe that I can be somebody different. I can be a, a, a better woman. I can be a better man. I can be a better father, a husband. I I, this person is speaking life to my soul, even if I didn't understand, always understand the words. So this is the context. I, mean, I want you to feel what people are feeling, because this is what we feel. That they're not different from you and I. The, the humanity hasn't changed that much. And so, let me read over the words to you again, after that setup. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus, it says here, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this morning we're talking about uh, pure in heart seeing God. Now I have to tell you that there was a period in my life when, when I uh, uh, you know, read the esoteric, arcane writings of different philosophers and religious thinkers, and partly it was this idea of a supreme being and, and that blazing white-hot holiness. And the reason why I read it is not because I was holy, because I, was, I realized I was so unholy in my speech and my thoughts and my demeanor. Um, I mean, I dressed well, and I thought that mattered, but I mean, everything else was not really functional. I figured if you can't be good, you might as well look good. And um, so I came, you know, I, I was, you know, thinking about this verse and how to process it, and, and, and I think maybe at times when we first hear it, we think, oh, you know, I gotta stop being naughty and, be a good girl and be a good boy, which, you know, we unconsciously translate that as, I'm no longer gonna have fun. I'm gonna have to get rid of my cool music. I had to cancel the Netflix. Uh, there's, I, life will blow as I now know it. I'm gonna have to shop at Mervyn's and they're closed. And so where am I? I'm, I'm gonna have to look bad and smell bad, you know, because I'm, I'm gonna be pure in heart, you know? And, and the, and see, I, I had that unconscious notion in my head that if I'm going to be really a, a committed, connected follower of Christ, that somehow my life will no longer be fun. And so I think I resisted that for many years um, because of that notion in my head. I just couldn't get rid of it. And so when I read this about the pure in heart, there's something still a little bit echoing in me that, that says, uh, I'm not quite that guy. That's for other people, you know, they can be pure. People that I know that, you know, they're just one light bulb away from being Amish. They make their own butter, you know, they, 
they don't shave their legs and they should, and, and um, they're, they're just natural people, you know, and um, I don't get that, you know, I, I'm not that person either. So I'm trying to figure out, well, what is pure in heart talking about? And, and I realized that I've been actually trying to live up to that and live in that moment, live in that pure in heart lifestyle. And so I think of my own uncontrolled appetites that, that, that come out as lust, and I think of my own worry that, that is my attempts to control, and I think of my own depression and despair, which is my walking away from hope. And, and it began to dawn on me gradually that, that, that the pure in heart is actually, what's the positive of being committed to Christ? See, it's, it's not this thing about, I have to stop doing things. It's becoming the person that you can be. I almost think of it as, um, you know, I'm not a big medicating kind of person. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a high threshold for pain. You know, I mean, I'll go see a doctor when I have a splinter. But never a dentist, not, not those guys. Um, but I, I realize that, you know, when, when you're taking pain medication, and this is my metaphor for my soul, when you're taking pain medication, you're just, you're not healing anything, right? You're just stopping the pain. And so sometimes I think that what happens with our souls is that we're just looking for relief. I don't want to be healed, necessarily. I just want the pain to stop. And the pain stops by waking up in somebody else's bed, so be it. If the pain stops by perhaps mismanaging my money, all right, there's no more pain. If the pain stops by perhaps consuming certain types of entertainment that are unhealthy, if the pain stops by being in a place or a certain person, and if that stops the pain, then fine, it's stopping the pain. You know, if, if that's wrong, I don't want to be right, you know. But God's a bit more like a doctor where he doesn't want to just give you pain management. He wants to actually heal, make you whole. And all of a sudden, I recall from the different works and writings that I had exposed myself to in reading, that, that holiness, the H-O-L-Y word, had something a lot to do with the word whole, W-H-O-L-E. Just being put back together. Complete. There was an integrity to my character and to my soul. Now, yeah, there's moments that you, you flip out and the real you comes out, you know, and all that. I love it when people say, I don't know what got into me. Those three beers, the Cadillac, and the, you know, the, <laughs> that's what got into you, brother. And, and, and so, you know, nothing really got into you. It's what came out of you. <laughs> it's, that was the issue. And can you mop it up now? And, uh, you know, uh, I always find that funny. People are so shocked about their behavior. And uh, really, I, we all knew you were weird. I mean, how could, how could you not know that you were that person? But the purity in heart, as the scriptures talk about it, it's not about covering up who you really are. In fact, that is the exact opposite. I mean, in, in, in a spiritual community like this and with God, every healthy relationship's got to have a component of transparency and honesty, even if you risk breaking the relationship. I, I mean, I don't know of any relationship that doesn't have its foundation, if it's healthy, honesty. And I, I'm, I'm just really afraid today, or I'm really hurting today. Hey, I struggled with this today. 
whether it's husbands and wives or, or um, other types of friendships and relationships, that there's, there's got to be that honesty for it to work because you can only maintain a mask so long. And with our Father in heaven, he's not asking you to behave and pretend you're somebody you're not. It's not as if he doesn't see who you really are, what you truly struggle with anyways, correct? But, but we place on him the thing that we do to each other. Let me just pretend to be good. I'll go to church or I'll do my thing or I'll, you know, and, and you're not holy. You're pretending, but you're not holy in the sense of being whole and healed. And so our Father, who does love us incredibly, loves us where we are, no matter where we are, but won't leave us where we are. And sometimes we find that those things and the gimmicks and the things that we did to uh, anesthetize our pain no longer working. Just doesn't allow them to. And there comes a point when you can't anesthetize yourself completely out of pain. Something's got to give. So purity has a lot to do with actually healing the soul and becoming the person that you could be. It's, it's, it's even changing your, your thoughts and actually making an intentional effort to focus your thoughts on those things that are restorative. Um, you know, my wife will tell you that I'm easily distracted. I mean, I have, um, I have several conversations going on in my head, you know, and so sometimes I'll just blurt out some. So, you know, that's why I did that. You know, my wife, was, again, you were in the middle of a conversation that I was not a part of. And uh, which voice was it this time? And, and sometimes I'll answer the phone and just start talking. Hey, you know, and people have stopped me and say, dude, hello, how are you? Oh, yes, I forgot. Well, it's just that I was having the conversation with you before I called you. And, and now I decided to actually put you in the physical realm of that conversation. And, and I just, I'm just easily distracted. I'm that guy, you know, a butterfly, hey, you know, and a shiny object, whoo, what is that? You know, and, um, and, and others have said, man, I don't switch gears as quickly as you do, and this, that, and the other. And, and I think they think of it as some level of intelligence, but it's really a level of, of, of just ADD. I mean, I just, you know, three seconds. You got three seconds. Okay, you're over, and uh, that's, that's it. But, you know, the, the, the truth is, is that I, there is never anybody that, that moves ahead forward in their careers and their health or their spiritual health that doesn't put some focused, intentional thought into the process. And we make the mistake of thinking that our spiritual lives just sort of happen by osmosis. If I go and do the right thing, if I carry a big Bible, if I look at the red letters once in a while, I must be, I'll become healthy and just not how it happens. There's an intentional effort into becoming spiritually healthy, just like there's an intentional effort in everything of moving forward. But a lot of purity of heart has a tremendous amount to do with capturing your thought life. Have you ever jotted down? I mean, it's it's embarrassing. It's, it can be really horrible. But have you ever thought of keeping a track of writing a written record of your thoughts? Would you want to put that in writing? Now, I don't mean like, you know, it's so naughty. No, hell. <laughs> oh, hell. It's not that they're even like naughty. It's just that they're just so narcissistic and, and, and horrible. I mean, you know, it's the way we disparage each other. The way we, we, what we truly value, I mean, it's just nuts. 
and, and the thing is, we have that running through our heads, churning in there, somehow thinking that that has no effect on our souls. And Paul tells us just the opposite, that there needs to be an intentional focus even on our thought life to begin to change because that's our part in the purity process. You know, there's, there's absolutely God's part. I mean, there's, there's some things that only he can do for us. We cannot. But we place ourselves perhaps in that moment for him to invade our stories. By really even just by our thought lives and asking us and asking to, you know, putting ourselves to be open to that stream of consciousness where he actually speaks life into our souls. And it seems so um, simple that I think we minimize the impact of it. Let me show you, for example, we go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, 8, the whatever verse. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Now, if you go back and you do an inventory in your head of what you were thinking about this past week, if this didn't match up, you have to think of it in terms of a, of a well, I have one self-inflicted wound here, a couple of others, the scars. It, it's just a self-inflicted wound on your own soul. And you can't expect that somehow you're going to have this purity of heart where you see God if your thought life is out of control. In fact, I'll give you examples of some of the thought lives that perhaps are going to be out of control and, and damaging to our souls. You, you, you're going to replay your worst moments in your head over and over again. And, and you think you're defined by that moment. You'll, you'll, you'll replay the hurts that happened to you. You'll replay the hurts that you've done to others. You'll point out why everybody else is wrong and everything's your, not your fault and why do bad things always happen to you. And you'll just replay that over and over. And, and then someone cuts you off on the freeway and you, know, you gesticulate, hey, you're number one, but it's a different finger. And... Um, you know, and, and have you noticed that you could just put yourself into a foul mood? Or you could put yourself into a very sensual, dark mood? Or you could put yourself into a mood that is just disparaging of humanity and people? I mean, it just really it's, starts in between your ears to a large extent. And, and, and this shapes this as this will shape it this as well. I mean, it, it, it's a two-way street. The things we do have control over, our thought life, is what Paul drives us to say, look, if these are the things that you're processing, you're going to have a different view of not only humanity, but who you are. And then God jumps in the picture as well and is involved in the process and begins to change this, the thing that we can't touch. And then that feeds your thought life as well. And you'll begin to notice, in fact, uh, I recall driving home, listening to a story about a guy that... Um, I think because sometimes I, I just, you know, I know I have empathy and I just feel things a little bit, you know, more than some folks that, I, I, you know, I, whether it's humor or disparaging, I don't want to feel people's pain. So I make a quick joke to shut it off or, you know, they're a loser for being stupid. And so this story about a man who uh, committed suicide, it was the, that writer. 
and uh, that my daughter knew, and, and, and I was just thinking, you know, I, I remember feeling so bad, thinking, wow, there was nobody there for that guy. There was nobody there who, could, who told him that life was worth living, who, who, who cared enough to even know what he was processing. I think, wow, poor man that drove into that sort of pain, that ending his life made more sense than living another day. And I remember thinking, wow, where did that come from? Because a few years earlier, and he would have been, what a loser, what a weak, what a blah, 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 you know? And then you know how you maybe, maybe your life's thoughts would have gone. And I began to realize that something has begun, begun to change. I'm not the person that I once was. Uh, now, after saying maybe what purity is, let me point out to you maybe why it might be of value to get the buy-in. And, and this is the simple reason. You get to see God. And that's what Jesus himself tells us. You get to see God. So, okay, going back to that, okay, so what's the what about that? See, there, when we see him in the story of our lives, there's just a healing component to that. Now let me tell you about your thought life a bit further. It's good if you go to stay in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. This is speaking about the part that perhaps God plays. Hey, you make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. A brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? Why? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now go to chapter 15, verses uh, 17 through 20. Jesus often taught in what people call parables. They're metaphors, stories. Like, I'm comparing this to a spiritual truth to you know, help you understand it. And so, and so the, uh, some of his closest disciples, the guys that hung around him the longest sort of thing, and uh, so the first thing, when, are, are you so dull? So, so he's asking, look, don't you see that whatever enters your mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth from the heart, these would make a person unclean. Because out of your heart comes evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual morality and theft and false testimony. These are what makes a person unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make you unclean. There's just consequences to our, to our thought life that, that just tune out the spiritual realm. Um, I don't know how you even explain this if you haven't perhaps possibly thought it. See, I don't think we're uncomfortable with the notion that there's evil. You know, I think we get that. In fact, I'm going to do an impromptu survey, okay? Because we're going to make this a dialogue. <laughs> Raise your hand if you've ever known that you were in a moment, that you were in the presence or in a moment of evil. Like you just knew, yeah, wow. <laughs> okay. See, we're not unaware of that. We know that there's a realm that we don't see. But I, I want to clarify something almost I guess it's, this is going to be a logic, and this is your first lesson in philosophy. See, evil is not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. See, good is the thing. 
Light is the thing. Darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. Darkness is the absence of light. Right? Evil is the absence of what's good. Brokenness is the absence of what's, what's whole. So if you understand that there's an actual personal, malevolent world, and by the way, this evil speaks to you and hates you and seeks to destroy any good thing about you. It makes everything that's God made great rotten. Dance, music, food, sexuality, all these gifts. And it's twisted for us. Because at some level we're wired to enjoy life, but not to consume it to the point of loss that it's out of control, our appetites. See, but if that's true, it's because it's the absence of what's right and what's good and what's healthy. And see, the consequence to living a life where your thoughts are out of control and mismanaged is that it begins to feed to every area of your life. It's not without a consequence. And, and, and part of stepping into a healthy life, I mean, even if you just take Christianity off the table, okay, I, I don't, but if you, if you want to take Christianity, connect the dots. Your outside behavior is the result of what's going on in your head. Always. I mean, it's not hard for me to figure out in many cases what a person's thought life is like because I just, you watch and listen. And I know from sales, some of you are in sales, you know, if you, if you let a person talk long enough, you're going to know everything about them. Because even if they try not to tell you who they are, they're telling you who they are through their speech. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's almost as if you... Um, remember that horrible, horrible, horrible waste of film? It was Vin Diesel and one of those... What's that one where he was the blind guy? Pitch Black. Pitch Black? Right. Well, so, you know, I, I, you didn't see what was going on unless there was, there, was, and there was all these things around, you know, right? Okay. Uh, what was that other film where somebody, when they put on the glasses, they could see all the weirdness that was going on around them. They live? You're right. Uh, you know, I've seen so many movies, there's just one big blur. All I see is scenes, you know. And, and see, that's kind of what happens. It's, it's almost by, by changing the thought and becoming pure in heart and letting God work in your heart, it's, you begin to actually see for the first time. Not they live and not the bugs, but humanity correctly. In fact, let me, let me back up. I'm getting the order mixed up. I said earlier that sometimes the thing we're drawn to is love. In fact, we're always drawn to that. When it's genuine, pure, and healthy, we're always drawn to love. In fact, you know, we'll even take it if it's not so healthy, because we need it. The first thing you're going to see, and I want you to hear me, because this is, if you get nothing else out of this morning, you have to hear this. The first thing you're going to see and understand is God's incredible love for you. Because some of you have so defined yourself by your worst moment, you just think he puts up with you. You have to understand how incredibly he is for you. I mean, Robin Williams had a lovely film to know where he crosses hell to get to the love of his life. Do you understand that's telling, it's just an echo of the great epic of Christ? 
I will not let you go. If I have to cross heaven and hell to reach you, I will. And if I need to die for you, I will. And I think that is the first sight that you get that is so healing. Then you see his incredible love for people. And it's hard to disparage humanity when the love of your life so loves them. I mean, we could still pull it off. Don't get me wrong. But all of a sudden, it comes of a consequence. Then you see him work not only in the lives of others, but in history, your community. You become part of a mystical group of individuals who have stepped into a sacred romance with God. And you begin to know and move in information that you shouldn't even know. You're starting to read what you once called the Bible, and it becomes scriptures to you, a portal into another dimension. It's not just a book. It's an actual portal into another dimension with God himself. And the words make sense. Even if it's in King James, it makes, begins to make sense. And then you begin to see his invitation to you to participate in caring for humanity. Any member of humanity. Not just people of members of Club Jesus. Anybody. Anybody. See, you know what's remarkable about the life of Christ? Is that when he healed and cared for people, he didn't ask them if they were going to join. Do you know that the word conversion, not in the scripture, convert is once. But you know the word that appears in over and over again to describe the life of Christ, the life of God through Jesus in, this, in our realm, is healing. Healing. You know, I, I find that we so miss the boat that we've created this monstrosity called Christianity. We, we've made this thing where, you know, I don't know, I mean, depending on what regions you are, it, it, you can identify the Christian by the way they dress, the music they listen to, the car they drive, how they voted, how they voted on Prop 8, right? That is so small, isn't it? It's just too freaking easy and cheap. You heard me say a couple of Sundays ago, Christ is not here to help you. You know, have better relationships and help you have a better marriage and help you have a career. He's here to kill you. <laughs> I, I, you know, before you, before you sign up for Club Jesus, let me tell you up front, this is what he's after. So if you went to this big rally at a stadium, I'm you know, not criticizing anybody's ministry, and you know, if they told you that he was going to help you with life and get rid of your pimples and straighten your teeth and you're going to find the love of your life, you know that they were partly lying to you. It's because he, he says, look, I went through heaven and hell for you, not just to make you good, but to absolutely heal you and connect you to the God that's my Father. So for you to experience that sort of resurrection life, 
See, because that's what we all want. Ah, oh, I want the resurrection life. I want to feel that power of God moving. Okay, that, but that means something's got to die first. And you know, it hurts. You know, pulling off the scab, being healed, for him to speak directly into that pain, into that moment, and becoming pure in heart. I don't know if it makes sense to walk away from that. So here's the thing you're going to have a challenge with. See, some of you are starting to get it, that it's possible. If you choose not to step in, all right, awesome, we're still friends. You know, you want to come here? Awesome, you want to come to my house? Want to go to the movies? Let's go to the movies. Always down for that. But, but I know that you're hearing maybe for the first time or a reminder of what you've heard in the past that he so incredibly loves you. And he has much more for you than the life that you have. And that something about that old life has got to die so that you can actually live in the life that he has for you. And that's part of being pure in heart and seeing God. You know, it... it um, it's not unlike the physical metaphors. I mean, some of us are, are colorblind. Some of us have blind spots. I, I'm, um, I'm nearsighted, so once I take these off, you know, all of you are mostly fuzzy. Sometimes that's better, but the point is that <laughs> it's like soft focus in photography. I'm just, come on, just keeping it real again. I'm much better in soft focus at a distance. See, we have physical eyes to see. And some of our eyes, you, know, you have contacts, you get corrective vision, you, get, you wear lenses, you know, you, whatever. But listen, I want you to understand this. God you see with your soul. God you see with your soul. And when the soul is damaged, when it's not pure, the lens is jacked up too. And the funny thing is, oh no, it's not funny, it's tragic. We think we see clearly. I remember um, my in-laws used to like to go to the racetrack. They, and they would take us to go eat with them and stuff. And I didn't gamble, not because I had a, a morality. It's I just hated to lose any kind of money, you know. And, and I remember watching the, the um, this thing in the middle of Santa Anita. There was this huge billboard of the lights and what horses came in, whatever. And I, I thought, oh, wow, you know, it's incredibly fuzzy, but I guess maybe if we had better seats, that, you know, this, is, this is how everybody is seeing the world. Remember when you were a kid and the first time you got your eyes checked and the doctor gave you glasses, you realized, oh, there's a chalkboard. You know? <laughs> oh, there's a teacher up there. You know? I, I, and so I, I was joking around with my mother-in-law because she's old and she's easy to make fun of. And so I, I grabbed her glasses. And she had very little self-awareness. And so I grabbed her glasses and I put them on. I could read this and I realized how bad my eyesight was. But I just gotten used to seeing the world out of focus. Now look, some of you, I don't, it doesn't matter whether you call yourself a follower of Christ or not. Even if you're, you don't, you just, I'm just here today just to check this out. I'll never come back again, not after you. And, and uh, there's a better speaker next Sunday. So there's a... <laughs> You have gotten used to seeing the world distorted. And you don't know because you haven't had your eyes focused. The heart change hasn't happened, and this is just how you see the world. People are rotten. My life blows. This bites. That sucks. Or worse language. 
And God hates me. And this is why I think the, the, the most powerful thing you'll see and understand is how much Christ loves you and what he's done to earn your love and to gain your love. And that has a, a huge healing component in our lives. God's role is allowing that vision to heal us. And then us moving out and sharing this, you know. Um, I, I, sometimes I think when we invite people to different events, especially if it's church, it, it's almost, almost like trying to tell somebody, there's this really cool thing you need to see. You know, truly, there's nothing cool I'm going to see at church. I don't really think that's possible. But we're not talking about the environment. We're not even talking about the people. I mean, the films are fun. And all the, I mean, I'm glad we do all this stuff. That's just, you know, I like the place. But what we're trying to help people to see is God's love for them. That's what we're inviting them to. Now, here's a closing thought, and we're going to dismiss, because, you know, that other group's coming, and you guys are my favorite. <laughs> See, some of you, without even knowing, and you've been speaking to God because he's been speaking to you. You've had visions, you've had, you've had images, you've had fuzzy thoughts of what you could possibly do or be. And it's healthy, and it's good. And then, because you couldn't sustain it because your heart's not able to process it further, it's, ah, you know, that's never going to happen. Understand, you're not starting a conversation with God this morning. He's been with you in a conversation for your entire life. For your entire life. And he's trying to speak into your life, whispered it. People who've been praying for you, your friends who you've perhaps have invited you, I mean, it's all been his voice to draw you in, to heal you. What would your life be if there was purity in your heart and you could see God? Let me pray with you this morning. Father, thank you so much for restoring my life. And when I pray for all of us, no matter where we are in our journeys, is that you will restore sight. I think of that man who was blind who cried out to you, you know, Christ, son of David, have mercy on me. And if you are willing, you can give me my sight. And you told him what you're telling us. I am, I am willing and receive your sight. And so I pray for every man and woman here, no matter what their stories are, that you help them hear your voice and help them see you and your love for them. Heal us by your love. Clean out what's just been so toxic to our souls. Help us step into that relationship with you. To invite you into our lives, to clean us out. Because we've seen God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.